I had a guy one time that I baptized a big guy, and somehow we got him back up. But it wasn't it wasn't as dramatic as that, where the guy went flying. The guy called him on the side. That's a good deacon there. Catches a preacher, side <laughs> and gets him. We are in Revelation 13 as we continue looking at the portraits of the Antichrist. Today we are going to focus in some more on that personality of the Antichrist. Turn with me to Revelation chapter 13. We're going to look at verses 3 and 4. And I'm going to ask you, and you find that if you'll stand our God's honor as I read from the text. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Men worshipped the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. And they also worshipped the beast and asked, Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? Let's pray. Father, uh, thank you for being with us, Lord. You have promised where two or three or more come together in the name of Christ. Jesus is there. And that is our hope, Lord. Because our heart's desire is that you might be pleased with our time together, Lord. That we will have sung to Jesus. We will have given to Jesus. All that transpires in this gathering would be to Jesus as an offering. That song we sang, we are an offering, Lord. And we continue to offer ourselves to you as we look at your word I just ask, Holy Spirit, that you would be evident among us, Lord. As we look at what is ahead, Father, thank you for what is behind us, and that is the cross. May no one leave here and miss the cross and miss you. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. This message is entitled Counterfeit. and I started looking at counterfeit money and how... That has just exploded with the technology that we have now. You know, it used to be in the old movies, they had those metal plates and they'd run and the money would come out, the counterfeit money. But now with the digital scanners and sophisticated digital printers, it has just taken over where people are counterfeiting money. From uh, October 2012 to October 2013, the Secret Service discovered... $81 million in counterfeit bills in our country. Um, Just in the state of Indiana in the month of January in 2013, they seized more than $54,000 worth of fake bills, which was double what it was just a decade earlier. Um, You know, even the idea of in a lot of stores where they'll take a marker, you see, to see if it's a real bill, and they'll put across it, and depending on the color it comes up, you know, it shows whether the bill is genuine or not. Well, the counterfeiters have gotten so smart now that they put $5 bills and $1 bills in a solution that washes off all of the ink, and then they use their sophisticated equipment to create $20 bills, $50 bills, and $100 bills using paper from our U.S. Treasury. And it's difficult... To discover many businesses lose money uh, when it goes to the bank. They have the equipment to discover if it's truly authentic or not. Many businesses lose money. 
But the truth of the matter is, it's not just sophisticated criminals. But it has moved down into society where there are maybe your neighbor is counterfeiting money. And it's not just Christmas where cashiers are overwhelmed by the people that come to buy things. I read about one high school student who had used a scanner at his school to create some bills. And he tried to pass a 20 off in the cafeteria and he, he got caught. <laughs> and then I read about a, uh, another place in Georgia where many of the merchants... As they would turn in their money to the bank, they discovered uh, a lot of their bills were counterfeit. In a downward economy, this only seems to increase as people risk everything to print money in order to buy some of the simple things that they need. But the message this morning is not just talking about counterfeit money. It's talking about a counterfeit Christ. One who rises to a throne of power and he passes himself off as being the real thing. The real king of kings. The real ruler. I I put in here, I'm just going to read through this quick. We could spend all kinds of time just really breaking down these points. I want you to see there are, I think, 19 comparisons here between the Christ and the Antichrist. He's quite a counterfeiter. Let me just read through these lists Uh, Both perform miracles. And I wanted to write this down because I thought this would be great. Sometime this week you can sit down and just go through these comparisons. 2 Thessalonians 2.9 Next, Jesus will appear in the Millennial Temple. The Antichrist will appear in His Tribulation Temple. 2 Thessalonians 2 verse 4 Jesus is the incarnation of God. The Antichrist will also claim... To be the incarnation of God. 2 Thessalonians 2.4 Jesus Christ is the lion from the tribe of Judah. Revelation 5.5 The Antichrist has a mouth like a lion. Revelation 13 verse 2 Jesus Christ will make a peace covenant with Israel. Ezekiel 37 The Antichrist will begin his rule by offering a peace claim. Daniel 9 verse 27 Jesus Christ motivates and causes worship of the one true God. The Antichrist motivates and causes worship of a false god. Christ's followers will be marked and sealed by God during the tribulation. Revelation 7 verse 4. The Antichrist followers will be marked on the hand or forehead. Revelation 13, 16 through 18. Christ has a worthy name. Revelation 19 verse 16. The Antichrist uses blasphemous names. Christ is married to a virtuous bride, the bride of Christ, church. The Antichrist is betrothed to a vile harlot, Revelation 17, verses 3 through 5. Christ is crowned with many crowns. The Antichrist will be crowned with ten crowns, Revelation 13, verse 1. Jesus Christ is king of kings. The Antichrist is called a king, Daniel 11, verse 36. Christ sits on a throne, The Antichrist will sit on a throne. Revelation 16, verse 10. Christ will ride a white horse when he comes. Revelation 19, verse 11. The Antichrist rides a white horse. Revelation 6, verse 2. Christ has an army, as so does the Antichrist. Revelation 19, verse 19. Christ died a violent death. The Antichrist will die a violent death. Revelation 13, 3, part of our text today. Christ is resurrection. Resurrected and the Antichrist will be resurrected. Christ comes again to reign. The Antichrist will return to reign. Revelation 13.3 
Jesus Christ reigns from Jerusalem for a thousand years during the millennial kingdom. The Antichrist will reign for three and a half years in his worldwide kingdom. Revelation 13 verses 5 through 8. Christ is part of the Holy Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. The Antichrist is part of an unholy trinity, Satan, the Antichrist, and the false prophet. Quite a counterfeiter. It's no wonder that there will be many who will be deceived and they will be fooled. As Satan, that's his work. He comes across as saying, I'm as good as Christ. What I offer you is what you need. But it never is. It's always a lie. It's always a deception. It's not ultimately what you need. Last week, as we looked at the first two verses of Revelation 13, we saw that the Antichrist will head up a revived Roman Empire, uh, which will consist of ten European kingdoms. He will start out as a little-known ruler, but insignificant, but he will grow and he will take part of a united kingdom that will rise. Daniel 7 verse 8 tells us that he'll start out insignificant but then rise to take the throne as the world's final Caesar. And as we continue on through this series, we will look at the mark we often call the mark of the beast, which will occur either on the right hand or the forehead, which will mark a person as a follower of the Antichrist. You see, everything God has done, Satan has tried to duplicate or to ultimately counterfeit. J. Dwight Pentecost summarized it well when he wrote these words. He said, Satan is seeking to give the world a ruler in place of Christ who will also be in opposition to Christ so that he can rule over the world instead of Christ. That's his plan. That's his goal. Now, let's look at the counterfeit. Fitter's deception. There are two deceptions which will mark the Antichrist. And the first one is the Antichrist's management of a peaceful reconciliation. You see, he will fulfill the symbolism of a white horse as, as a ruler, a, a type of Messiah who will bring peace to the nation Israel and to the Middle East. He will be a wonder worker that accomplishes amazing things in the eyes of the people. And they will worship him with palm branches and they will declare his greatness. But I want to focus most of the time upon this second declaration that will mark the Antichrist. And the greatness in the world when that time arrives. And that second miracle is his miracle of a physical resurrection. Look again at verse 3. One of the heads of the beast seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. We mentioned last time that interchangeably, that when it talks about uh, this king and this ruler, that it could be used interchangeably with the king himself, or the kingdom he rules. And there have been some who have said, well, this is speaking about that new rise of a Roman empire that this Caesar will rule, and it's speaking specifically about the kingdom and not the king. But as you study in the Scripture, 
you realize that there is a problem. It's because there's a personal pronoun that is used in the last part of verse 12 of chapter 13 of the book of Revelation that tells us this is not merely talking about the kingdom or the nations. It is talking about this king, this ruler. Verse 13, he says, And he performed great and miraculous signs, even causing fire to come down from heaven to earth in full view of men. He is talking about a specific person. Talking about one who specifically came to power. And so the question some people ask, was he really dead or was this just a charade? Did he just pretend to be dead and and fool and deceive the people? Look at verse 14. We are told, because of the signs he was given power to do on behalf of the first beast, he deceived the inhabitants of the earth. He ordered them to set up an image in honor of the beast who was wounded by the sword and yet lived. Yes, he was actually fatally wounded. I believe because of the way the text reads of a personal pronoun speaking of a specific person. But beyond that, the language as the counterfeiter is eerily similar to what is revealed to us in Revelation chapter 5. Turn me back to chapter 5 of the book of Revelation. And look at verse 6. This section of the scripture magnifies the Lamb of God. Our Savior, our Lord Jesus Christ and what He ultimately accomplished on the cross dying for us. Look at verse 6 of chapter 5 of Revelation. Then I saw a lamb looking as if it had been slain. Standing in the center of the throne encircled by the four living creatures and the elders. See the same type of terminology. Looking as if he had been slain. As the Antichrist is looking as if he had been wounded. What is the picture here? The picture here is, yes, he had been slain, but now he is alive. And, and what is the evidence of that? It is the marks, the scars in his hands and in his feet and on his side that give evidence to the fact that he is the risen one, that he is the ultimate victor, And the picture here we have in chapter 13 that the Antichrist has come back to life and he is even counterfeiting the greatest evidence of all of our faith. The resurrection as he is resurrected back to life. That he was actually slaughtered. He actually faced death. So the question is, um, can he really do that? Can the devil really counterfeit the resurrection? Well, let me start with a smaller question. Can Satan do miracles? Remember Job? How Satan came before God and he said, Ah, this guy loves you, but you've been really soft on him. He hasn't faced anything tough. Let me do my magic on him and we'll see if he really continues to worship you as the one true God. So God allowed Satan to do his work. And remember, he created this tornado that came in and brought devastation. Not only to the property of Job, but killed his family, his children. 
And then there was another miracle that was performed by Satan as he caused sores to break out on the body of Job and to bring suffering to Job. And then we look in the book of Exodus and we look at the ten plagues and we see that the magicians of the Pharaoh also was able to counterfeit certain miracles. There was the miracle of the rod becoming a snake and and back to a rod again. And then we read in Exodus 7 verse 12 that they counterfeited that miracle. And then in verse 22 we also read of another counterfeit. And that was water being turned to blood in the Nile. That this was counterfeited. Jesus also spoke about counterfeit ministry. Counterfeit Christians who tried to mimic the truth in Matthew seven twenty two and 23. He says, many will say to me on that day, did we not perform many miracles and drive out demons? And he says, I'll tell them plainly, I never knew you. Depart from me, away from me, you evildoers. So there, there's a picture there who those who are able to do these miracles, these spiritual miracles, but it's not from God. It's a counterfeit. Seeking to portray the truth, but it's not the truth. This is what we are looking at in the scripture here. A great delusion we're told about will actually come upon the world. Where they will see the lie and think that that lie is ultimately the truth. Of his death and his resurrection. That he's not the Messiah. This is uh, in the 1950s. There were actually a lot of churches that were declaring that John F. Kennedy was the Antichrist. And, you know, uh, as they looked at him, most of the country was Protestant. He was a Roman Catholic. And in 1956, it didn't help at the Democratic Convention when he ended up with 666 votes. That just seemed like an ominous sign of who he really was. And then when he was shot in the head... That was also a sign referring to him as the beast. And there were many who thought he was going to rise up in that coffin and declare himself as the world leader, as the one that Daniel prophesied about and has spoken to of us in the book of Revelation. Let's just uh, picture this in our own minds. The world is grieving. I mean, there is this spectacular leader with amazing charisma who has come in and he's brought peace. To a world where there's so much fighting and so much disagreement and so much pain. His policies were being copied and his advice was considered to be like scripture. As he was followed completely. He had helped to solidify this European coalition. And he was considered to be the greatest of leaders. Three other leaders dropped off the scene and the remaining leaders masterfully went behind this great man. This great leader. He was considered to be a miracle worker. In a world that had gone mad with plagues, earthquakes, disease, death. I mean it seemed like the leader's hand healed everything that it touched. And brought calm to complete chaos. We're not told exactly how this assassination happened. We don't receive that detail We're only told that this wound was fatal, that he was killed in cold blood. 
Now I'm going to try to use, you know, what they call a little bit of sanctified imagination. I don't know how sanctified I am at times, but uh, I'm trying to imagine what it would be like is they will out his coffin. And there are tears as people are grieving over the hope. I mean, he was going to fix everything and pull the world together and the world is totally falling apart. And here he is. And, and then suddenly, as the camera zooms in on the coffin, suddenly he rises up. Can you imagine how stunned the world will be? How can anyone overcome death? And then he rises up and then he makes the declaration. I'm the true Messiah. I'm the one you need to follow. I'm the one who has the answers. Notice in our text, uh, back in Revelation 13, we see that declaration. It says, but the fatal wound, it says he seemed to have had a fatal wound, but the fatal wound had been healed. The whole world was astonished and followed the beast. Reminded me of John the Baptist, remember when he sat in prison and, and he was having his doubts. And he sent a message back to Jesus. Are you the one that we're looking for? Or should I be looking for another? You see, this is a time where uh, people would be brought into doubt. And, and they're looking for other people because of their doubts. And at this time, who they actually worship was the dragon. Notice, we see that in verse 4. Men worship the dragon because he had given authority to the beast. They also worship the beast and ask. Who is like the beast? Who can make war against him? You see, they didn't even realize. As we studied earlier in this series, the red dragon is actually Satan himself. The devil himself. They would actually be worshiping the devil. Wow. 1 Corinthians 10 verse 20, we're told the things which the Gentiles sacrifice, they sacrifice to demons and not to God. They bought into the delusion. They bought into the counterfeit work of the Antichrist. In reality, one day, this world will be dancing with the devil, not with the one true leader. Sometime back, one of the European leaders made this statement. He said, if the devil could offer a panacea for the problems of the world, I would gladly follow the devil. And one day, Many will. They will chant his name. Who is like the beast? Who else will we follow? Made me think of Isaiah 43, 11, That tells us there is but one God. And apart from me there is no Savior. You see there is only one name. Who saves. There is only one name. Who is King of kings and Lord of lords. And it is not the Antichrist. It's the true Christ, Jesus Christ, our Savior. The one who was a lowly carpenter and who went as a suffering servant to the cross and now is crowned as the King of Kings. There will be cameras, there will be millions of people 
billions of people who will be tuning in on the TV and many people who will actually be there when the Antichrist is raised. But it is a deception. It is ultimately alive what they will see. And you see, everything that has happened and will happen up to that point is like a dress rehearsal. As we've looked at other leaders who have literally tried to conquer the world, the Napoleons and the Neros and the Hitlers and the Stalins, all of these so-called leaders who deified themselves were nothing more but puppets of the red dragon, of Satan himself. Joseph Stalin's daughter would, after his death, talk about her father, who was used by Satan to fight Christianity and to martyr many, many believers in Jesus Christ. She described something peculiar in his last hours when he was on his deathbed. She said that just before he died, although he had been unconscious and was unable to move much at all, he suddenly sat up in his bed, looked up at the ceiling, raised his clenched fist, and shook them toward the ceiling. He then fell back on his pillow and he died. Up until the very end, he was resistant to the grace of God and to the one true Savior. In his bunker, Adolf Hitler was with his closest friends and his mistress. The untold story written years later by one of his closest confidants was shared. And it talked about how Hitler, who'd followed the occultic underworld, avid student of yoga, hypnotism, astrology, Eastern occultism, and he hated Christ. He hated Christ's people. And he had an agenda because he, too, was under the control of the red dragon. This staff member called Roshning relayed this continuing scenario that he would see in Hitler's last hours. He said, we would hear Hitler yell for help. Seized with power that made him tremble so violently, his bed shook. There in his bedroom, his lips would turn blue and he would drip with sweat and would be whispering in terror. It's he. It is he. He is here. We don't know if he's talking about he saw Satan or if he saw Jesus himself. But he saw someone who was there with him. All the great power that he had been able to gain was really nothing. Because he was a puppet in the hands of Satan himself. As I come to the end of this thing, in the conclusion, uh, I'll make two points here. First, for believers, there's this challenge. Do not be distracted or deceived. I know we are speaking specifically about when the Antichrist rises into power. But the spirit of Antichrist is at work today. And there are many believers who are distracted from the gospel. And distracted from the saving, transforming power of Jesus Christ. And they are deceived into thinking it has to do with something that they accomplish. Some ritual in their church or some tradition that they believe. But there is only one way to be saved, and it is through the power of Jesus Christ who died on a cross, although He was sinless, was placed in a grave, was resurrected back to life, is sitting at the right hand of the Father, and He reigns and He intercedes, and salvation comes only through Him. That is the gospel. That is the truth. And what we have to be careful of is that we don't get distracted or that we're deceived away from that truth. Our hearts are to be the gospel. Are to be the gospel. Satan has a counterfeit. 
for everything. He has counterfeit Christians. We call them hypocrites. He has a counterfeit church. In Revelation 3 verse 9. There's a description. Synagogue of Satan. That is there. There are seducing spirits and doctrines. 1 Timothy 4 1. There are spoken false messiahs and false prophets who arise from great signs and lead others astray. In Matthew 7 and Matthew 24, it says that even the elect would be led astray if possible. You see, when trouble comes, it, will it detract from your worship? Will it distract from your walk? Will it divert from your commitment? So even now, that's the challenge. That's the challenge. I want to read to you, this is from Peter chapter 4. Uh, starting at verse 7, he says the end of all things is near. And then he gives us this insight as he continues on. He says, uh, therefore, be of sound judgment and sober spirit for the purpose of prayer. Above all, keep fervent in your love for one another. Because love covers over a multitude of sins. Be hospitable to one another without complaint. As each one has received a special gift... Employ it in serving one another as good stewards of the manifold grace of God. Whoever is the gifted speaker, do so as one who is speaking the utterances of God. Whoever is gifted in serving, do so as one who is serving by the strength which God supplies. So that in all things God may be glorified through Jesus Christ, to whom belongs the glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's our call. Second challenge is not to believers, but to unbelievers. To the person who has not humbled himself or herself. To the truth that without Christ, there's no hope. It's not that we will be condemned. The Bible says we are condemned already. The one who has not believed in Jesus Christ stands condemned already. John 3, verse 18. You see, Christ didn't come to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved through him. The condemnation comes because we miss Christ. And, and so if you're here today, you've never bowed your heart and your mind to the only one who can forgive you, Jesus. This is a great day to do that. <laughs> this is a great day to find that forgiveness that he alone can bring. You see, the antichrist of the world and the coming antichrist have so many people, will have so many people dying for them. But Christ has already died for you. Big difference. He is the one, the true one, that can bring what you need. Satan, the red dragon, the unholy alliance, unholy trinity. It's a lie. It's a deception. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. Let's pray. Lord, thank you for your word. As we have looked at the counterfeit... And the true Christ. Father, we have a decision to make. Who will we follow? Who are we following now? Father, my heart is that we would follow Jesus Christ. The one true Messiah, Lord. Holy Spirit, just speak to us, Lord. I don't really want to say anything else. I want you to speak. So do that. As we stand, as we sing, as we have an altar that's open, as we have hearts that hopefully are open, speak to us, Lord. And may we just say yes to your call, your prompting. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.